talking about. Um, sin, we, we human beings, we're sinners. We like sin. We just do. We like it. Sin is me getting my way, and we just like getting our way. We just do. Um, sometimes my way happens to coincide with God's, uh, but a lot of times it doesn't. Uh, what I want, and I don't care who I have to hurt or who's offended, I want what I want. And uh, uh, certainly the goal of parents, the goal of even the church, is to, uh, uh, when, when children are tiny, they, they think, watch this, I can scream and holler and people drop everything and bring me milk. The world revolves around me. And slowly through life, uh, the lesson is, the world revolves around him. And it takes a while for children to learn that. Uh, it sometimes the, there's an extra struggle when mom and dad haven't even learned that. But hopefully you come to church and you're learning that lesson and you're imparting that lesson to your children. Uh, it's about him. Well, what about me? Actually, life is way better for you when it's all about him. Um, and that's hopefully we're, we're here at church today. And we just want to be reminded it's all about him. Uh, Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh, I fail him so often. By the way, uh, a good way to start your time with prayer, time in in prayer with him is, Jesus, I I love you. And just stop for a minute. I love you. Just a good way to start your time of prayer. Don't go right into, you know, help, you know, all the hungry people. (laughs) Help, you know, everyone in charge. Help all the missionaries. (laughs) I tell you, just stop. Lord, I love you. Help me to understand that it's way better for me and the people I influence. That it's all about you. Help me to really understand that through and through. Here in, uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 8. And uh, um, try to speak highly of Jesus today. One of our goals anyway, every single time we come to church. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. The choir talked about coming from the place of darkness into light. Uh, We have a physical object lesson of that. There's a blind man uh, who gets his sight back. But uh, that's uh, an object lesson of what God wants to do spiritually with, with us. Um, and he has done that with so many. Um, but in Mark chapter 8, let's start with 20, verse 22 there. He cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he spit on his eyes, <laughs> again, that kind of catches you off guard, doesn't it, huh? He spit my eye. Uh, here, Jesus spit in his eyes. Um, when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, Ah, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up and He was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. This man is blind without hope of seeing um, except 
for Christ. Jesus makes all the difference. Well, he was, he was hopeless uh, as far as ever seeing until Jesus came and uh, changed hopelessness to healed. So just preach, that'll be my title today, From Hopeless to Healed. Boy, Jesus showed up and everything changed. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And, uh, and I just pray that as we look at this passage, you would uh, allow us to, to, to see our need. Lord, everyone in this room, myself uh, notwithstanding, uh, we have a need and we need uh, you to, to fill it, Lord, where, wherever we are. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And then, Lord, I, we, we mentioned this morning with Psalm 150, praising you, O oh God, according to your excellent greatness. And, and we just can't. You're just that great. We can't, we're, we're incapable of matching praise that's worthy of your greatness. But Lord, I pray you help us to try. And Lord, I want to lift up the Lord Jesus, and I can't do it. I pray your Holy Spirit would lift up the, the Lord Jesus in a very special way. He's everything. I pray, oh God, that, that our hearts would be warmed as we cast our gaze on this one that brought sight to this blind man. Each one of us, Lord, need a fresh vision of who he is and why I should be setting aside everything to follow him each and every day. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Uh, I, I looked up um, the... Don't, don't, don't shoot me. I know they're not real popular right now, the, the World Health Organization, the WHO. But I, I did, I looked uh, them up uh, just to see how many uh, blind people there were in the world. And uh, the, the stats that they gave were there's, there's 39 million blind people in the earth right now. I looked up what, what is it like to be blind? And it said, well, there's a difference. If a person was born blind, uh, they, they've never known anything different. Uh, so they just, they make the best of things. Um, but if a person has had their sight and they lose their sight, uh, there can be, you know, uh, the, the, the brain will, there can be flashes or, or different uh, um, visual hallucinations. Uh, um, uh, and and then there's uh, it's 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 not normal. They have to get used to this world of darkness, and and it and it takes some effort. It's it's not it's not enjoyable. It can be quite difficult. But of course, uh, uh, God can give grace. But here in the Bible, here was a man, and God was going to give him his his physical sight back. I'll give you a series of points so you can look for them. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll start with H. I, I want to just bring out that first one. There was a hopelessness. There was a hopelessness for him to get his sight back apart from Christ. Um, but, so there was a blind man, but there's another uh, source of hopelessness in this verse. Uh, he cometh to Bethsaida. Now at the end of this passage, he tells the blind man who could see now, he says, don't go back into town. I don't want them to see you and don't tell them what I did for you. I don't, I don't want them to see what I did for you. I don't want them to hear what I did for you. And we'll, we'll look at that here in a little bit. There was a blindness. A, a whole city had fallen under a curse from God. So there was a whole city. There's a blind, a blind man and Bethsaida. There was a blindness that had descended upon this town. A blindness. And, and, and God, of course, can give sight 
Spiritual sight is the main thing that we look for. Uh, And of course, this was an object lesson of what God wanted to do here. So here we see a hopelessness, and there is a hopelessness in this life uh, apart from Christ. So here in verse 22, he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. There was a hopelessness, uh, the, the blind man. There was nothing this man could do for himself to get his sight back. Without Christ, he had no hope of regaining his sight. I imagine he would have figured out, he would have probably tried to um, uh, place himself in some sort of a, a setting in which he would uh, begin to feel his way around. There would be a, a, a film, a familiarity, a film, a film, a familiarity, a familiar, a familiar, <laughs> familiar. Give himself a familiar setting um, that he would be comfortable with, uh, and you really can't see. I suppose you'd get that setting in which you would get familiar. You'd have that setting, and and you'd know maybe how many steps over to this. Uh, you'd memorize where you set your belongings. Uh, you can't see anymore. Uh, maybe as you go to get up or down, maybe by this by this tree, you'd remember there's a branch here. And you'd look for that branch because maybe you'd lower yourself down by that tree. And when you go to get up, you'd, you'd reach for that branch that you got, get, you got used to. You, you'd try to, in some way, figure out a, a way to be familiar and, and comfortable with the setting. Uh, this, the, your, your smaller world, you would do your best to, to try to get familiar and, and comfortable with it. Uh, um, uh, getting comfortable and familiar in, in, in your world uh, of sightlessness. But ho- how much better would it be if the Lord Jesus could allow you to escape that world of darkness? His blindness was physical. And God doesn't give everyone their physical sight back uh, nowadays. But God offers a spiritual restoration of sight to everyone. The vast majority in the, of the people in this world are uh, in the spiritual darkness. Matthew 7 talks about the broad way on which most people grope along without spiritual vision. Uh, Paul, talking about when, when God called him into the ministry, he said this in Acts 26, 15 through 18. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which appear unto thee. God had opened his spiritual eyesight, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles who, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Uh, here, this blind man. A, a picture of the spiritual blindness that, that most people are in. But coming to Jesus, he can deliver from that. Much like this blind man, the world does its dead level best. The world is in darkness And they're doing their best to try to get comfortable with their darkness. 
to become familiar with their darkness. Find things they're comfortable with. Find little ways of getting through this life. This world does all that it can to find little ways to cope with their world of darkness, even to the point where they prefer it. It's familiar. It's comfortable, but there's nothing like coming to Jesus and having your spiritual eyes opened. Now, I, I kind of suspect that this man had once had his vision. I, I, some commentators say it seems like he might have been blind his whole life. I think maybe he had had his vision. I, just because it says that, he says, I, I see men as trees. It seems to me possibly that he, unless he guessed from feeling them, but I, it kind of seems like maybe he had seen, but I'm not sure. Either way, he lived in a world of, of darkness. Um, boy, we have our, our, our phones with us nowadays with, with flashlights on them. Isn't that wonderful? Last night I was walking through a dark part of the house and I was thinking, I, I can't see the floor. I hope there's nothing there <laughs> that I can stub my toe on or, or a, a marble or a Lego. Now, praise the Lord, my kids are mostly beyond the marble and Lego stage. Um, but I still thought it'd be way better for me not to hope that the path is clear. I'm like, hey, I have my phone on me. How wonderful. And hit the button. And, that's, and I thought, Lord, it's marvelous how you, how you build us this way, that this can cast light and that can reflect. And Lord, our eyes, what a wonderful uh, mechanism that you've given us. You're marvelous. And just took a little bit of time in the darkness that was no longer dark and just thanked the Lord that I could see. I didn't have to stumble. I didn't have to hope that my next step would not bring me pain. Um, so we see this blind man, but we also see Bethsaida, a city of blindness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, in Matthew 11, 21 and, uh, 20 through 21, Bethsaida was under a curse. And here's and so listen to this. So we have a city of blindness, and that should that should frighten us because I think there's a lot of blindness in in this country of ours. I think there's a lot of blindness in this world around us. Here in Matthew eleven verse twenty and twenty one it says, "Then began he to upbraid, rebuke the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not." So Jesus had gone into cities and done marvelous things. And the people refused to acknowledge who he was. Oh, sure, come on in, entertain me. Jesus, you're welcome to come and entertain me. But don't ask me to forsake my way and follow you. It's nice to watch you do tricks. It's nice to watch you heal. But don't ask me to turn from what I'm familiar with and I'm comfortable with and I enjoy and set that aside and follow you and submit to your will. He rebuked the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. He doesn't do marvelous things to be, again, do more, do more. He's God. He did those mighty works, authenticating who he was, and some refused to recognize who he was. Verse 21 goes on. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Here we have our town. 
For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Jesus had done mighty works in in Bethsaida and other places, but they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't submit to who he was. They refused to turn from their own ways to follow Jesus, the very Son of God, God the Son. It's not enough to smile and, and ooh at the thought of Jesus. When you stand before him someday in eternity, that's not going to impress him that you liked his tricks and you were warmed at the thought of him. But did you ever repent and turn from your way and submit to his? Here was a city unimpressed with Jesus. Does that remind you of our country? Does that remind you of our country? Here was a city unimpressed with Jesus. You can go to any city and and Jesus has something he wants you to know. And the vast majority of them would laugh and say, I couldn't care less. Jesus was good for some entertainment, but not worthy of being followed. And brace for it, that dirty word, obeyed. Boy, it's dangerous to live a life unimpressed with Jesus. How are you today? Are you living a life unimpressed with God the Son? There was a hopelessness without Christ, both for the blind man and then this city of Bethsaida. Secondly, I see a humility. In the end of verse 22, they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. Isn't our Lord precious? He took him by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. So first of all, um, he had to leave his familiar setting to go to be with Jesus in the first place. It says, they bring a blind man unto him. We don't even know who that they is. Someone came to this blind man and said, hey, we, we know someone who can help you. Would you go with us? Um, they were at least acquaintances. I suspect they were friends. I don't know. I suppose it could be that there he was begging day after day and maybe it felt like a little bit of a nuisance and like, boy, it'd be nice if he wasn't there asking for food every day. Hey, buddy, let's go and and get some help for you. But I I think that the Bible says they besought the Lord. They begged. I don't know, in my mind, begging someone on the behalf of someone else for something, to me, seems like, The man was dear to them, at least in some way. The man had to allow his acquaintances to lead him to Jesus. There he was, I don't know, by his tree. And I'm familiar. I've got this branch. I can get myself up. I've got my belongings around. I know how many steps it is from here to over there. I know know everything. I'm familiar with my little world of darkness. Will you leave your world and take a risk on Jesus? Will you leave what you're familiar with 
Will you leave what you're comfortable with? Will you come with us? Somebody can give you a better life. But I'm comfortable here. I'm familiar with this. Oh, but there's something way better. Way better. Will you, will you go with us? And take a risk. Leaving your world that you're familiar with. A risk of what I know to who I could know. He probably had some control over his little realm. I don't want to leave my area that I have some control over possibly and cast myself at the mercy of another. Is that you today, friend? You know you should come to Jesus to have your eyes opened and say, Lord, take control of my life. I've been doing a, a, a poor job at running my life. But I found some little ways to be comfortable and little ways to be familiar with it. And I'm in charge of my little world. Oh, you know you need to step away from that thing and let God open your eyes. This blind man, let him encourage you. If he can do it, so can you. These, uh, these friends, they besought him. Look up that word besought, uh, beseech, or beg. They begged Jesus that he would help him. Uh, those of you who have your spiritual eyes opened, are you in the process of bringing someone to Christ? And how much begging have you been doing on their behalf? They brought the man to, they, they didn't say to the, the man, there he is, go talk to him and see if he can help you. Did, did they? They brought him all the way to Jesus and then they interceded on his behalf. They besought him. They begged Jesus, please, can you help him? Well, the humility doesn't stop there, does it? He, he left his little world of, that he was familiar with. I'm not, not ready to try that word again. He left that world and led his friends. And then Jesus, Jesus could have healed them right there. But he said, hey, let me take you by the hand and let's go out of the city. Oh, we're not done. Can't you just give me sight right now, right here? No, I, I want you to trust me. Can I take you by the hand and lead you out of the city? By the way, isn't, isn't the Lord wonderful? There's so many things Jesus could be doing. And yet this man... Felt like he was the only one on the earth for a little bit with Jesus. Jesus takes him by the hand uh, and leads him from the city. How patient, how good our Lord is. How kind he is. He led them, he led him from the town. Again, I, I suggest that he led him outside of Bethsaida because the town had been cursed for their unbelief, their refusal to repent, it seems. Um, for them, sure, Jesus can come to town and do some tricks, but don't ask me to leave my setting and honor him. A town full of people, mostly who could physically see, but cared nothing for spiritual sight. Here was a man interested in what Jesus could do for him. 
So first of all, he risked leaving what he was familiar with. And he came to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, we're not, we're not done. Let me take you by the hand and let's, let's go out of the city. Ah, that's even less familiar as they go out. I see hopelessness, and, but then I see humility. And then I see hope. I see hope. He took him by the hand and led him. Jesus led him. We love that song, huh? Jesus led me all the way. But the man had to allow himself to be led. <laughs> right? So he was blind. He couldn't do anything. Oh yeah, if you turn yourself. <laughs> he's, he's not going to take him and drag him. No, no. He didn't drag. He allowed himself to be led. Jesus would like to take you by the hand today and lead you. But you have to let him. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You're not going to be in heaven. You won't be in heaven. You won't stand before the Father except unless you go by way of the Son. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's there to lead, but you have to let him lead. He wants to take you by the hand today. Won't you let him? Maybe you've heard lots of things about Jesus but have you ever let him take you by the hand and lead you? I ask everyone in this room, does Jesus have your hand today? Is he leading you today? He's willing, but you have to let him. I see hopelessness, then humility, and then hope. And then we see there's some help. There's some help. In verses 23 and 24, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, <laughs> and you're like, well, he was blind. He, he didn't see that Jesus was about to spit on his eyes. He's like, what, what was that? What was that sound? Yuck, what, what is this? Um, a little, little different. It uh, seemed like in the Jewish mindset, uh, saliva had some medicinal qualities. And we kind of know, right? You burn your finger like, oh, I think it's instinctive for us a little bit. You burn your hand and it's like, whoa, I, where can I put this to get some relief? Put it in my mouth for a little bit. That they, I don't know. I, they probably didn't know about the enzymes in your saliva, that all the different things that saliva does. But he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him and asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up. Can you see him? I, 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 see, I see men... As trees walking. So we see some help. I remember as a young person coming across this passage and being a little disappointed. Uh, it's like, boy, I would have thought that old expression, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, doesn't pertain to Jesus. Um, and it's like, oh, let's see, I didn't quite heal him. Let's, let's give that another go around. Right? When at, at first glimpse. But the truth is, God never does anything imperfectly. Um, so what is going on here? Why, why is he seeing man as trees? Different commentators wonder why the Lord would restore his sight in stages. Um, 
Jesus spit on his eyes. We're not sure why he chose to do this. He didn't always do this. Sometimes he would make uh, spit on the ground and, and make a little mud, whatever. And um, Maybe Jesus was taking the man from where he was to himself as being the true source of healing. Um, Jesus put his hand on him. Oh, the healing touch of Jesus. But why why the partial healing at first? Could it be a picture of our growth in our spiritual vision? At first, the, the, the Lord gives us our vision, but we don't see everything super clearly just yet, do we? There's a lot we have to learn. There's a lot we, we don't see quite yet. And, and God works on our spiritual vision. And it, and it requires a, a continual coming back to the Lord to say, Lord, I need to spend a little more time with you. Would you, would you touch my life with your holy touch and allow me to see things more clearly than I did yesterday? Every day I want to have a little bit better vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verses 18 and 19, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked, though, is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. When God opens your eyes and you're on the path of the just, uh, the, the, the light of God's word shineth more and more. Which I kind of love that idea anyway, right? You get older and you, you can see less and less with these physical eyes, right? Those of you who remember, they, they tell me you get in your 40s and then weird things begin to happen to your vision. And then pretty soon you have the bifocals and trifocals and all of those, all of those things. In a sense, I almost think God does us a favor because these eyes are less in tune with what's going on down here. And maybe as you spend time in God's word, they're more tuned in to what's going on up there in eternity. Maybe also it's a vision of, of our spiritual vision. Down here, uh, we see darkly, the Bible says. And then someday in heaven, it'll be so good to see so clearly face to face with our Redeemer. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Maybe it's a picture of that. We see, we see partially down here, and, and then it's a picture of uh, eventually what, what we'll be able to see. I, I think there's various things going on here. He was helped, but then in verse 25, he's fully healed. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. Isn't that interesting, the way it says, he made him look up. He made him look up. He put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. What a wonderful word, restored. He was restored. It doesn't even say his eyesight was restored. It says he was restored and saw every man clearly. Jesus touched him again. Boy, if, if you know the Lord as your Savior, every day go back to him. Lord, would you take my hand once again and lead me to where you want me to be? Will you provide your your touch that helps me see more clearly today than I did yesterday? 
Jesus made him look up. (laughs) Sometimes we're not looking up, are we? Uh, Somebody said, when your outlook isn't all that good, try an up look instead. Are you downhearted today? The path ahead looks dismal and frightening. Your outlook seems unsure. Maybe it's time for an up look. Jesus made him to look up, the Bible says. He was made whole. He saw every man clearly. I I see the mercy of Jesus here. Because here was a city that was cursed. But there was one guy in the city that wanted Jesus. Was Jesus going to write off the one guy because of a cursed city? No. Here was a city, here was a group that had written off Jesus. But there was somebody in that city that hadn't. Isn't Jesus wonderful? There was one guy that had it, and some of his friends, apparently. Jesus took him by the hand, led him outside of the city, and healed him. Now, the blind man, when he first got his eyesight back, he he says, I see men, plural. I see men as trees. Groups of men, groups of trees. I don't know if it looked like a, a, a mobile forest, possibly. I see men as trees. He saw saw men grouped together and indistinguishable. But then when he was fully healed, the Bible says he saw every man clearly. He saw a group, and then when he was fully healed, he saw individuals. He saw individuals. Well, God sees a group, doesn't he? John 3, 16. God so loved the world. He saw a group. And he died for that group. But it's not just a group. He sees individuals in the midst of that group. Oh, how good God is. Sometimes uh, us, we, we look around and we don't see people, do we? We just see scenery, don't we? Like, look at those trees. And, and look at those buildings. And look at those cars. And, and look at those people. And, and look at those clouds. And what? What? We see everything and we see people amidst all the other things and people are just scenery. But you know what? People should stand out in a different way than cars and trees and buildings and clouds. People aren't scenery. People are souls. I see every man clearly. It might be that some of us in this room should say, Lord, I need that touch. When I look out, I don't see every, I don't see individuals who need you. I, I just see people that make out, make up the fabric, make, make up, make up the, the, the scenery of life. I don't see needy souls out there. When he was touched once again, I see, I see every man clearly. And then verse 26, uh, and he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. So Jesus made him whole and sent him to his house. Now, it seems like the man did not live in Bethsaida, right? He says, go to your house and don't go into the town. (laughs) That wouldn't make sense if he lived in the the town, right? He must have lived um, outside of the city proper. uh, uh, And so... 
he probably would leave his house and come into the town where lots of people were where he could beg. I don't know, maybe he would spend time, maybe he hadn't been home in a while. Maybe he would, whatever his little spot was, maybe he had left home. I don't know, it seems like possibly he had lost his vision a while ago. He left home and said, well, well, you're no good here. Why don't you go into town and see if you can bag some. Uh, praise the Lord that nowadays we, we do have, uh, we, we, we do care for our poor, our, our blind, a lot better. Back in those days, they, they weren't cared for as much. Probably he couldn't survive at his home, and he probably went into the city to, to do some begging. I don't know how long it had been since he had been home, but Jesus says, you're whole now. Go, go enjoy your house. Go home. Boy, I tell you, home is special when God's a part of it. And it isn't all that special if God's not a part. Except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that, that, that build it. Go home. Have a life there. For far too many, home is a miserable place to be. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, uh, again, uh, uh, in, in this world around us, home, ugh, I, I want to go to work. I want to get away from my hen-pecking wife and my bratty kids. I don't like it there. I want to get away from all that. I want to go to work and then stay there, work overtime just so I don't have to go back to my house. Boy, when Jesus enters the picture, home can be a special place. Jesus healed him, and then he hushed him. Isn't that interesting? He healed him, and then he hushed him. He said, don't go into the city, and don't tell them what I did for you. He healed him, and then he hushed him. How sad is that? The city under this curse... You know, churches can get that way. We think of the church at Laodicea. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 17. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here was a city I have everything going for me. I don't need Jesus. They didn't realize how much they needed him. Here was a church that said, we have so many things going for us, we have no need of Jesus. Little realizing that their assessment of their condition was so far from the truth. Churches can get that way. May it never be that God would look down at Fairhaven Baptist Church and say, I'm going to continue doing wonderful things because that's just how I am. I'm a wonderful God. 
and I love doing wonderful things, but you don't get to hear about it and you don't get to see it because of your refusal to repent of your own way and to submit to my will and way. May that never be said of our church. We think of, we think of the song in the hymnal, Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee, ready my God, thy will to see. When you're ready for his will, he will open your eyes so you can see it. Open my eyes, illumine me, spirit divine. Would you